Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. I want to bring to you a message this morning. It's actually one of my favorite verses of Scripture. Um, it is a, it's a, a message that's going to invoke us to ask the question, how does God develop our faith? And, and I know that in your programs we gave you a set of notes, and if you have those notes, I encourage you to use them because the Bible says that He doesn't want us to just be hearers of the Word. He wants us to be doers of the Word. Maybe you take your notes on your phone or whatever. But I've got some things that I want to communicate to you today that I believe the Lord is going to encourage you with. One of my favorite verses of Scripture is found in Matthew chapter 9. It's a story of Jesus healing a couple of guys. Verse 29, and I want you to notice what the Scripture says. And then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. One translation says this, According to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it done to you. You say, Pastor, how is that one of your favorite verses of Scripture? Because if you just let that sink in for just a moment, you realize that according to your faith, your life happens. According to your faith, be it unto you. What comes towards your life is what faith opens up the doors for. The faith that you, that you grow in your life are the things that you're, are you're going to see in your life. According to your faith, be it unto you. There's another way to say it. If you can expect it, you can receive it. If you can expect it, you can receive it. That's one way to look at it. It's the law of faith. It's the law of faith. The law of faith is something that says, if I can expect it to come into my life, then I can receive it into my life. We have a lot to do with those things. This law is at work in our life all the time. Because how many of you know that what you, what you expect to see is usually what you end up seeing? What you expect to hear is what you end up hearing. If you expect to hear a bad report, guess what? You're probably going to hear a bad report. If you expect to see tragedy and chaos, that's what you're going to probably see is tragedy and chaos. When you expect to, what you expect to accomplish is what you're going to accomplish. If you don't think that you can hit your goal, then there's no reason to set a goal because you won't reach your goal because faith says, be it unto you what your faith gives to you. Are you with me? So what you tend to feel or expect to feel is what you're going to feel. That's a good one because a lot of us expect to just feel bad, feel overwhelmed, to feel stressed out, to feel purposeless, to feel, feel like God's you know, not in control. And guess what? That's exactly the way your life is going to go. According to your faith, be it unto you. Faith has so much to do in our life. Faith interjects itself every day of our life. And I want to show that to you this morning. Faith is so important. It's a critical aspect of your life. Faith is what demonstrates to you that God is faithful. And according to your faith, Be it unto you. God says, according to your faith, be it unto you. And there's another important verse that goes along with that. It's in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 that says this. Without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. According to your faith, be it unto you. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? God can't be pleased with someone who is not receiving the things that he gives them. I mean, think of this. As a parent, don't you love it when your kids just trust you when you say something? And they don't say, well, why? I know no parent but my children have ever asked that question. Well, how come, Dad? Son, I'm telling you not to play in the street because. Well, how come? Son, don't ask dumb questions like that. We love it when our kids just hear what we have to say and they trust us. That, that, that pleases the Father because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Instead of saying, well, why, God? How come, God? Well, what's the reason behind that, God? Well, when's this going to happen, God? Yes, God, according to my faith in you, be it unto me. 
So the scripture in Hebrews says that we can obey him, we can, we can do all the right things and still not be pleasing to God because our life is not done in a level of faith. That's how important faith is. Without it, you cannot please God. And the apostles understood this, and that's why in Luke chapter 17, they, they said this question. This is what they told Jesus. They said, Jesus, would you teach us how to increase our faith? Now, can I probably say this this morning, that there's not one person in this room who would not ask Jesus the same thing. Lord Jesus, would you increase my faith? Would you give me more faith? Would you show me how to have more faith? Because I know that according to my faith, be it unto me as the direction that my life goes. Lord, would you just give me the, the understanding and the know-how, how to please you? I mean, everybody in this room would probably say this morning, I want to know how to please God. Can I just see your hand? I want to know how do I please God? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. How do I please God? How do I do that? What, is, what, is it, what does it take? How does that happen? And that's the question. How does it happen? And I'm going to give you the answer right here. It's an answer that you're probably not going to be excited about when you hear it. But it's the answer nonetheless. God builds our faith by testing it. It's the only way that he builds our faith. God builds our faith by testing our faith. Now, how many of you want to change your mind on saying, God, increase my faith? <laughs> A lot of hands went down at that moment. I take that back, Lord. I guess I don't need enough faith. Just give me just a little bit to get by. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. And only according to my faith, one of my favorite verses, only according to my faith is it come unto me. The things that I want, the things that I expect in my life only come because of faith. So let's pray this morning and ask the Lord to teach us how to increase our faith. Father, develop in us, Lord, an attitude, Lord, that there is always more to know, to know and to learn. Lord, I pray, O oh God, that the folks here, Lord, today, and those who are watching online, that, Lord, the things, that, Lord God, that they begin to expect would be the things, Lord, that they begin to receive because you increase their faith. We know that according to our faith, Lord, it comes unto us. Lord, inspire your word to us. Touch us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So God builds our faith by testing our faith, by trying it, by pressuring it, by inspecting it, by, by putting it to the, to the test. It's like a muscle. Muscles don't grow unless they're stretched, unless they're put under strain, unless, unless they are pulled on. That's when muscles develop. Faith doesn't happen, friends, when you're sitting on your blessed assurance in church on Sunday morning. Faith increases. Faith grows as it is tested. Listen to what James says. In James chapter 1, he says, You know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Or another way to say that, the testing of your faith develops faithfulness faithfulness perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything the only way that you can become mature as a believer of god that's not blown over by every problem or difficulty or 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 argument is for you to become mature by teaching you how to have faith and to be faithful over and over and over using faith now using faith tomorrow and next week and next month living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love from all harm, safe in his sheltering arms. I'm living by faith. Job, his experience was this. Job said in Job 7, 17 through 18, he says, he asked this question. He says, what is man that you make so much of him that you give him so much attention? Job's thinking as he experienced this in his own life, I really wish kind of sometimes, God, you wouldn't give me so much attention. And he goes on and he says this in verse 18, that you give him all this attention to examine him every morning and test him every, what? Moment. 
Did you know you were examined every morning? You're tested every moment. And I know right now some of you are thinking, my God, don't be, pay so much attention to my life. I don't want that much scrutiny. I don't want that much inspection in my life. But here's the good part of that. Here's the good part. Remember what I've already said. That means if God is, is examining us at every moment, that he is testing us every day, that he is questioning us, that means that every day you have a faith-building opportunity in your life. Did you catch that? Every moment means that you have a faith-building opportunity. And according to your faith, be it unto you. Whatever your faith is, is what's coming towards your life. Come on, somebody, that's good preaching. That's good. That's good to know that if I grow my faith, then God's blessing starts flowing my direction and the stream gets from a trickle to a torrential river flowing in my direction because God honors faith. Faith pleases God. So if God's pleased by faith and He builds our faith by testing, then what does that look like in everyday life? I mean, that's the real question, isn't it? That's the real question. What does that look like in my everyday life? Not just on church on Sunday morning when I've got my note sheet. What does it look like in everyday life? This morning, I'm going to give you four common ways faith gets tested in your life and that you learn how to please the Lord and that you develop that trickle of blessing turns into a stream because according to your faith, it comes your direction. Be it unto you. Okay? First of all is that God tests our faith through difficulties. That's not a surprise, is it? God tests our faith through the trials, through the problems, through the pressures, through tough circumstances, through the stresses of life. Peter says in, in 1 Peter, he says, for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. But notice what he says. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by which refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Can I just remind you of something? That nothing comes into your life by accident as a follower of Christ. Nothing comes into your life by accident. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, nothing comes into your life by accident. Everything in your life is God-filtered. Everything is God-filtered. Does that mean that God brings bad things into your life? Absolutely not. He doesn't have to. We live in a broken, sinful world. There's plenty of bad all the way around. He doesn't have to do that. God's not the instigator of those types of things. But when accidents seem like that they fall into your life, I want you to know that God's not caught off the surprise. He's not, he's not, wow, where did that come from? I didn't see that coming. That's not how God responds. You see, all of the disappointments you have in your life are actually God appointments. Every disappointment that you've ever incurred in your life, loss, pain, hurt, heartache, all of those disappointments are actually God appointments for Him to show you and to refine you and to test your faith. Because that difficulty will transform you and challenge you to become more like God. And He wants you to become more like Him so that you can be more pleasing to Him. If everything in life was always easy, it wouldn't require faith. If you felt God all the time, then you know what you would do? You'd begin to live by your feelings. But what happens is this. When difficulties come into your life, they confuse or cloud your feelings so that you can't feel God. And so what they do is they cloud our feelings so that our feelings can't be the director of our life. And so we have to trust and go to faith. That's why you can't live by your feelings, because feelings will ultimately deceive you. You don't live by your feelings. So when, you're, when, when your feelings evaporate, the only option is to know that there is a constant that's always there in the middle of every difficulty and trial and stress and pressure of real life, and we realize that 
that we have to trust God by faith. So we don't live by faith. We're forced to learn to live by, by trusting and, and, and having faith in the Lord. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 48.10. He says this. The Lord responds. He tells Isaiah, See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Has anybody but me ever been in the furnace of affliction before? Let me tell you, it wasn't just the three Hebrew children that's walked through a fire. I've been through those fires before, and I know that many of you have too. That furnace of affliction, what does that mean? That means when it's, the pressure is on. That means when the, the heat of life gets turned up, you get hot under the collar. Everything's hot. Your forehead breaks out in that hot sweat. You know what I'm talking about, those moments when your body just flushes. Those difficult moments, those those times when impurities are brought to the surface and your weaknesses are are exposed. You thought you had that faith, but mm, I'm not so sure. The difficulty has brought it to the surface of where your faith is. A silversmith was asked one time, how do you know, as you have processed silver, how do you know that all of the impurities have been burned off? And do you know how he responded? He said this, He said, when I can see my reflection in the silver, I know the impurities are gone. That's good. When the Lord can see His reflection in your life, that's when He knows He has removed those impurities and He has put you in that furnace so that He can refine you and develop your faith. God tests us by through difficulties. It was the test. And in the middle of those tests, what are we supposed to do? How do we respond? James says, consider it pure joy. When you fall into trials and face trials of many kinds, can I just tell you and encourage you right now, if you're going through difficulty in your life, I want you to look at me. Just relax. If you're a child of God, you've got nothing to worry about. It's just a test. It's just a test. God's going to stand with you. He's going to be there for you. He's going to walk through the fire right next to you. He's there. He he is near you. you. Your feelings will betray you and think that God's nowhere to be found. God is there. He is in the middle of your difficulty with you. It's only a test. It's like that radio commercial that says, this is a test. And only a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is a test of God's faith-checking system. You're walking through a difficult time, but I'm refining you, and I'm shaping you, and I'm growing your faith, because according to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, the blessing of God is going to flow from a trickle to a, to a stream, to a river, a torrent that's going to flood your life, according to you, according to your faith. Because without faith, you, you can't please me. And I want you to please me more and more. I want you to trust me. God tests us through difficulties. The second thing, God tests us, our faith, through demands. Has anybody ever had God ask you to do something that seemed impossible to your life? In the New Testament, there are approximately, and I'll just say this, I didn't count them all, but I I took someone's word for it that there are approximately 1,050 commands for believers to obey. 1,050. Now, some of those commands that we are given from the Scripture seem unreasonable. They're definitely mostly inconvenient. And at times, they seem impossible. If you've served the Lord every very long, you understand what I just said. So what do you do when the Lord places demands upon your life that seem impossible? Demands in the form of a command. Let me give you an example. Here's here's some demands that Jesus has placed upon your life. Listen. Don't worry about anything. How many of you fail that one? How about this one? Here's a demand placed upon your life. Love your enemies. Anybody fail that one? 
How about, how about this? Forgive those who have hurt you. These are demands that, that Jesus has placed upon your life. How about this one? Be joyful in all circumstances. Praise the Lord. Every one of these demands, they're a test. They're a test of your faith. They're a test to ask the question, are you going to trust me in what I say, or are you going to trust you? Are you going to say, God, that's just too inconvenient, it's impossible, it's improbable to be able to fulfill? I want you to think about Israel in the Old Testament. When the Lord brought Israel out of, out of Egypt and he, and he led them out into the wilderness, the Lord placed a demand of faith upon their life, and the demand was in the form of manna. Manna, this, this flaky-like bread substance. I always think, you know, the, the, uh, the packaged communion wafers. That's what I always think of. You know, one molecule away from styrofoam. The Lord used manna as a demand to test their faith. And this is what He told them. He said, every day I want you to go out and I want you to pick up all the manna that you need for one day. That's it. Just one day. Pick up enough for your whole family for one day. And if you were like me, and you're into efficiency, you'd say, God, that is, does not make sense. Why don't I pick up as much as me and my sons can carry and we get back to the house? It seems much more efficient, Lord, that I can pick up several days' worth of manna we can eat it all together and then a few days later we can go out and do the same thing i mean what if i get sick tomorrow who's gonna go pick up food i mean we don't know what tomorrow holds lord you've already said that how about we do it my way and we go and we do it that's because that's just so inconvenient you know and i'm a christian and i'm not into inconvenience I, i i mean it just It doesn't make sense. But what I want you to know is the point was not about the manna. The point was about are you going to trust me on a daily basis to walk you through this difficult wilderness experience? Are you hearing me? Are you going to... to trust me in my demands that I make in, in Deuteronomy chapter or Exodus chapter 16 verse 4 listen to what the scripture says here's why here's why the Lord did it the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day in this way here's the secret I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions it didn't make sense it wasn't efficient it wasn't the way I would do it but the Lord said I want you to be able to trust me Every day. Abraham was 75 years old. He was ready to retire. He was looking for a a nice cottage in the villages. He was ready to go. Call it good. And what did the Lord say? I'm calling you to a country that you've not seen. And you know what Abraham's question was? Well, God, why don't you just Tell me where exactly I'm going. He said, where is it? God said, I'll tell you. Just follow. Well, how am I going to get there? Well, I'll tell you. Just go. Well, how am I going to know when I get there? When you get there, I'll let you know that you got there. And the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 11, he says, and by faith... Abraham obeyed and went. He met the demand of God. A 75-year-old man still called by God to make a difference in the world because his faith met the demand that God placed upon him. God tests our faith because of the demands he places on us. Think about Noah. Noah lived in the middle of a desert in an arid place. And the Lord comes to him one day and says, Hey, Noah, I want you to build an ark. And Noah says, what's an ark? He says, it's a boat because there's about to be a flood. And Noah says, what's a flood? Because as the Bible says, 
In Genesis, up until that day, it had not rained. Water came up from the earth. He'd never seen a flood. He didn't know what God was even talking about. So here's the question. Would you build an ark in the middle of a desert when you've never seen rain? And you thought it was just about animals getting on a boat. It was about a test of faith for a man who had never seen things that was impossible, that was improbable, that didn't make sense. And yet God says, build this structure that's going to float on water that you have never seen this amount of water before in your life. And, and the Bible says in verse 8 of chapter 11 of Hebrews, by faith, Noah built an ark. According to my faith, be it unto me. According to my faith, be it unto me. According to my faith, may I be a blessing to all generations as Abraham. According to my faith, may I save my family and all those who are in the ark. According to my faith, be it unto me. According to my faith, by the people of God, I'll take the manna each day. And I'll be the people of God, the priests of the earth. According to my faith, be it unto me. God tests us through our difficulties. He tests our faith through the demands He places on us. He's saying, look, will you, will you just rejoice always? He's saying, will you obey me and my demands immediately? And then He says this. He, God tests us and tests our faith through the third one is dollars. Did you know that money is probably the greatest test of faith in your life? And for most people, it's the greatest test. Money. I want you to listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 16, verse 11. Listen to what it says. Jesus says this. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? There is a direct relationship a very direct relationship in how we handle our money and the spiritual depth of our life. It's a direct relationship. If you're not faithful in handling your money and your wealth, then God can't trust you with spiritual wealth. It's as simple as that. That direct relationship says what I do with my money really does determine how much God can bless my life. I've personally, in this area, been tested many, many times. I, I still write my tithe checks. I still give generously. Can I just say, after doing this for so many years and decades most of the time it doesn't bother me i enjoy it it's part of my life but can i say when shannon and i first got married it was tough you say but you're a pastor you're supposed to do that listen when you're writing that check or you're giving that offering or whatever and you know that you could use that money to pay bills because that's where we were Everything in our house, the first, <laughs> the first year we got married, everything in our house was either given to us or bought at a garage sale. Everything in our house. I had a couch that smelled like somebody had been a chain smoker and slept on it. I had a refrigerator that was avocado green that I spray painted white. I had a bed and a dresser and chester drawers that you could only pull out about three inches because if not, the whole thing would just dump out. Some of y'all have some of those drawers right now. It was hard because when we would give, I'm thinking, man, I could buy me a new dresser. Get me a new whatever. But I understood that that moment was a test of faith. And here's what I've seen. I have seen many people over the course of my life walk through that test. I mean, I have seen senior adults living on fixed incomes of Social Security, 
And that's all they have. I have seen them give generously and to trust God to take care of them the rest of the month. They passed the test and God took care of them. I have seen families who have lost jobs in the middle of terrible recession and terrible economies continue to give what they had to the Lord to give generously and to give faithfully despite not knowing what their future held or what job was in what job prospect was in store and I've seen God walk them through that test and they passed and God took care of them I have seen people come into windfalls of cash they didn't win it at at the casino they just came into windfalls of cash and they gave the tithe of that huge windfall bigger checks than i have ever written in my life i have seen people do those things i have seen people give incredible amounts passing the tests god stays faithful i've even seen young people i've seen young people who foregone the cost of a dinner with friends so that they could help support missionaries they pass the test at a young age and thank God He still shows Himself faithful in their life because there is a direct connection between dollars and where your spiritual depth is, your spiritual wealth. On and on. I could just keep going, illustration after illustration. All of these, all of these people that I've stories that I've gave you, there's names of people that I can associate with. I have seen it over and over. God has been faithful over and over. And every moment their faith grew. My faith grew because I saw what God had done. We grow in generosity. And it's a test. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Just as you excel in everything, in faith in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us. Look at this, look at this. See that you also excel in the grace of giving. I want you to grow in faith, I want you to grow in love, I want you to grow in knowledge, I want you to grow in, in earnestness and passion, but don't forget you need to excel in the grace of giving. The fact is that every time I give to God, my faith grows. Every time I give to God, it breaks the grip of materialism that seems to try to latch on to my life all the time. I'm the pastor. I have been serving the Lord for 40 plus years. And let me tell you something. It doesn't get any easier with the world that, that pumps its materialistic ideas right in your face. But every time I pass the test, my faith grows. My love for Him grows. My hope in Him grows. My maturity level grows as a follower of Jesus Christ. Can I just say that me talking about dollars, if that makes you uncomfortable, you're probably not a generous person. Because generous people don't have any problem talking about this. As a matter of fact, most of the time, if there's ever a complaint to me, I've found that those people who get upset about verses that I read about giving or giving unto the Lord, they're, they're the one they never give anyway. It's true. The ones that complain are the ones that don't even give. You have no dog in this, in this fight. What are you talking about? The fact is, is that generous people don't get upset about talking about generosity. Why? Because they've walked through that test. And they know that on the other side of the test, your faith, according to your faith, be it unto you. Now that, that ought to make somebody a little bit more happy than, than what you just did. According to your faith, be it unto you. Hmm. Thank you. According to your generosity, you have to put it that way. Be it unto you. So God tests us in our difficulties. He tests our faith in demands. He tests our faith in dollars. And then I close with this. He tests our faith through delays. Let me just say, this is the hardest one for me. <laughs> Come on, somebody. This is the hardest one for me. Because if I prayed and immediately got an answer. 
If every time I had a need, it was automatically met. If I had a problem every time it was immediately and instantaneously solved, I would not need faith. But unless you live in a twilight zone or unless you live in an alternate universe, you know that that is not how life works. That as soon as you have a prayer prayed, that immediately it may get answered. If you have a need, boom, it just supplies. All of a sudden, you just see a a, a problem is, is solved immediately. You know in your real life, in your everyday life, that's not how it works. Come on, somebody. You know that's the truth. I'm not going to tell you that it doesn't work like that. That's the way it works. And I'm... I'm a man of faith, but I'm just telling you, there are delays that will test you. This is my challenge. This is the tough part for me because by nature, I am not a patient person. Look at your neighbor and say, neither are you. We always have to wait on things in this life. We always do. And guess what? We all hate it. You know how I know it? How many of you, when you're driving down a two-lane road or three lanes, or if you're driving down the interstate, and you're driving down the road and there's a red light up there, and you see cars starting to slow down, how many of you are trying to choose which lane you think is going to get out of that light and take off first? You switch lanes three or four times as you approach that light. You're like, no, no, uh-uh, no, not that car. Uh-uh, no, she don't even know what she's doing. Wait, I'm back over here. You're changing lanes back and forth. And the only reason why is because you want to know who's going to get off the line first. I can't wait. i got things to do. You hate traffic? Mm, we could pray over that right there. Whew. Come on. Tune up with me on that right there. We, we do not like to wait. Ain't nobody in this place likes to wait. I don't like it. It just wears me out. Get behind somebody. It's like a Texas roadblock, man. They got like three cars, and they're all around me, and they're looking at me, and they say, <laughs> we're going to test him for his faith. <laughs> it's like God put angels in all these cars, and they blocked me in on the freeway, and I'm driving like 60 miles an hour, and the speed limit's 65, and I'm like, if I'm not doing 65, something's wrong. My car ain't running right. But the fact is that a large percentage of your life is spent waiting. Don't you think about the last time you went to the doctor or the dentist's office? The procedure wasn't bad. It was sitting in the stinking waiting room waiting to get in to see the doctor and the dentist that burnt you up. The last dentist I went to, you know how long? Two hours. Two hours. You know what I did? I fired my dentist. Before it was over with. I'm like, I ain't got time for this. We don't like delays. We don't like to wait. But here's the deal I want you to realize. If you don't learn how to grow and develop your faith during times of waiting, you will never, ever, you'll never, ever mature. You'll never mature. I did some study. I just trivial things, things that, that just fill our life of how long they take. Some of you, are, you're, this is going to surprise you. It takes six seconds to fold a towel. Six seconds. Some of you are pretty fast, but six seconds average to fold a towel. How many towels you fold in your lifetime? Some of you men, you ain't never folded a towel. You don't even know how to fold a towel. How you fold a towel is like this. That's how you fold a towel. better move on before I get way too many amens on that one. It takes 10 minutes for a snowflake to form. How beautiful that snow is. It took 10 minutes for that thing to form. Trivial. It takes, <laughs> some of you young people, it takes two hours and 16 minutes to watch Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. And guess what? After you've watched it, you've wasted two hours and 16 minutes. Can I get that amen on that one? I mean, I, I like Star Wars back in the 70s, 80s. Man, some of them. Now, Mandalorian, that's a different story, right? It takes 13 hours for weekly food preparation for an average American family. Some of you didn't realize you were chefs, and you are. You're working 13 hours a week just trying to put food on the table, and that doesn't include your job. You ladies say amen. 
Here's one for you. It takes 24 hours for plaque to colonize on your teeth. Aren't you glad to know that? Now, I hope that, that's, I hope that you take more away from this message than that right there. Some of you are going to say, you know what, Pastor said, 24 hours. Can you, that's going to be the whole idea at lunch, at lunch. 24 hours, you better go brush your teeth, son. It's 24 hours. You're, you're on the clock right now. It's starting to form. I can see it in your teeth right now. It takes one week, and this one, this one upset me. It takes one week for bacon to lose its freshness in the refrigerator at 32 degrees. You know what that means? That means I'm going to have to stop just eating two pieces a day. I've got to go up to four. So that way, I empty the package out before the week goes. Can, can I get an amen from some bacon lovers out there? Come on. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Heard the message of the Lord today. Step up to four pieces of bacon. Hey, come on. I'm about to have a shout right now. Somebody about to shout. Four pieces. Pastor said four pieces. Mm. Come on, you with me, aren't you? It takes eight hours. Listen, it takes, this one, this one really got me. Eight hours and 42 minutes on average per week to complete common household tasks in a family of four with children under 12. No wonder y'all are so tired when you come to church. Eight, almost nine hours a week just trying to take care of you. No wonder you're so tired. You've been washing dishes for hours, washing clothes, hours, mowing, hours, making beds, cleaning toilet, all of that stuff. Hours. No wonder you get to church and you're like zombies, just like, oh, Jesus. Raise your hand. Bridget's up here singing. Raise your hand. These are trivial moments. These are irritations in life. These are waiting times. It takes time. Life is nothing but just this, this passing of this passage of time. But you can grow through those irritating moments. You can grow in six seconds folding a towel. Because there's usually not just one. You can grow in the time it takes to stand over a, a pile of dishes. You can grow in the time it takes to cook a few eggs. You can grow in the time it takes to eat that bacon. And you're going to grow in more than one way. But the reality is, is, is we really grow when we're facing those true tests. Let me close with this story. If you look at Israel back when God brought them out of Egypt, the Bible says that he took them out of Egypt and he led them into the wilderness and he was with them, he was leading them. He was leading them toward Canaan, toward the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land of blessing, the land of God's appointed place for His people. Now, if you've ever looked at a map, you realize that Egypt and Israel are not that far apart. As a matter of fact, it would only have taken, in the most direct route, God to move a million persons out of Egypt. It would only take them about two, maybe three weeks to walk to Israel. That's it. But if you've read the Bible like I have, you understand that it didn't take them two or three weeks. It didn't even take them two or three years. It took them 40 years. Now stop and think about that waiting period. Talk about a waiting room. God's been telling us that we're going to the land flowing with milk and honey, the land of blessing, the land of prosperity, the land of goodness, the, the land where, where He has given to us our inheritance. God said He's going to give this to us, and we've been waiting for 40 years. Talk about the test in the middle of a delay, right? Tested in the middle of that delay. Here's the, here's the thing. God was more interesting in developing their faith than getting them from point A to point B. And here's the thing. I want you to realize that God's doing the same thing in your life. 
God's not as so concerned. See, we get so concerned about moving from point A to point B. Well, I'm going to get this job, then I'll get that job. And if I do this, then I'm going to get there. And if I did this, then I'm going to get there. And he's just wanting you to think God's just shuffling you along the board. God is not concerned about where your destination is going to be. Your destination is the journey to get there. He's more worried about developing your faith. Listen to what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 or chapter 8. He says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know, look at this, what was in your heart. Anybody else felt like that you've ever been in a hurry to get somewhere and you were definitely sure that God was not in a hurry? Why wasn't he in a hurry? He wanted to test you to see what was in your heart. Because he can get you from point A to point B, and guess what? The same thing that was in your heart at point A can end up right there at point B. That's not his concern. His concern is that if along the way I can burn the impurities out and I can grow their faith, because according to their faith, it will come unto them. And without faith, it's impossible for them to please me. So what I have to do from point A to point B is I have to grow their faith. Some of you are in between right now, point A and point B. And what God is doing, and instead of, instead of just moving you along and that prayer getting answered and all of a sudden your problems getting solved and all of, those, all of those pressures and stresses being relieved from your life. Some of you know I'm talking right straight to some of you. Instead of all of that just taking place and you just arriving right there, God's doing in the middle. He's, he's doing this work, this delay, this test in the middle, and he's trying to see what's in your heart because he didn't want to transfer from point A to point B the same thing you had at point A to point B. You've got to be a different person at point B. Because you have, to be, you have to be stronger because he knows where point C is. He knows. He knows what's going on in your life. So, so what you have to do is you have to just remember the words of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4, one of my favorite scriptures. I've quoted many of them today. He says this, So since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen, any God besides you acts on behalf of those who, what? You got it. You don't have any idea. You haven't even imagined in your mind what God has in store. But you got to wait. You just got to wait. So are you willing to wait while God works? Are you willing to trust in the middle of the delay. Let's bow our heads this morning. If you really want to increase your faith this morning, are you willing to pray that dangerous prayer, Lord, increase my faith? Which of the four areas that I've talked about today do you need to specifically pray that God would increase your faith? Is it in the area of difficulties? Would you pray a prayer like this, Father? Would you just help me to rejoice continually because I know that you're in control? Lord, I know that I'm not alone in this problem and this stress of my life. I know that you have a purpose, and I know that you'll give me strength. Even, even though this challenge is tough, Lord, I know that I'm going to make it through it. Lord, I know everything's going to be all right. Test my faith, Lord. Give me strength. Grow my faith. Maybe it's the demands that God's placed upon your life. What things in your life do you know that God has told you to do, but you haven't done them yet? You haven't obeyed immediately. That's where God's testing your faith. Has he asked you to forgive somebody who has hurt you? Has he asked you to, to, to get baptized because you've committed yourself to the Lord? Has he asked you uh, to get up and start spending more time with him? Is, is, what has God spoken to you that, that you need to obey and trust him? Develop your faith. Is it in the matter of dollars and generosity? Have you tried to argue with God and say, well, Lord, you don't know what I make? That's not the issue. The issue is, where is your faith? Do you get sensitive when that subject comes up? Do you get mad or angry or bitter? Maybe it's showing you something. Or is it the prayer that you need to pray? God, I'm in the middle of this waiting room and this delay in my life. 
I'm expecting you to do something, but it just hasn't happened yet. How long, Lord? When, Lord? As you wait, let your faith grow. As you're waiting, let your faith grow. What a great opportunity as he has stilled your heart in that waiting room of life to allow your faith to grow and develop, to move you from point A to point B, leaving behind those doubts and those fears and those worries so that he can move you free to point B and on to point C. His plan for your life is perfect. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning, let me just ask this question. How many of you, the Lord has spoke to you today from his word? You'd raise your hand. You'd say, I've heard something today that God is dealing with me about. I want to pray with you today that God's going to just touch you, that you'll respond not just in hearing the word, but in doing the word. This is a message that has to be lived out. So respond to it after you walk out those doors and get in your vehicle and you go back home and you face life all over again tomorrow, respond to this message then. Father, I pray that your hand would be upon this church. Help us, Lord, to be people of faith. Help us to know that, Lord, according to our faith, be it unto us, Lord, according to what we believe and trust you for, oh God, is how we will please you. Lord, we want to please you, Lord, more than anything. So shape us, test us, challenge us, Lord, develop us, mature us in the difficulties, the delays, Lord God, of life. Lord, I pray that, God, that you'd help us to be people of faith, to go with you, walk with you. We honor you. We give you our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.